Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com What's going on, everyone? Hope you're having a beautiful uh, end of the year. Um, actually, we're recording this episode uh, in December, but um we're taking a break at paddle and finn so this episode is coming for you on the first week of january so if you listen to this episode i hope you had a great um holiday vacations holiday weekend whatever you want to call it if you had to work i'm still hoping you got to get to the water and had some fun um follow me on instagram bass kayak and beers facebook uh and uh instagram and and tell me what your new resolutions are, how you spend the, your, you know, the end of the year. And if you have fun, hopefully you had fun and had a great time and it's ready for, you know, put those new year's resolutions into effect. But anyway, super excited. We're going to kick off the season with a great episode. I got one of my favorite, not only con- uh, tournament anglers, but also content creators, somebody that I've, I've, for a long time, I really wanted to have into the come to the podcast as a special guest. And what a great time to have her in our podcast. Uh, one of the best tournament anglers, one of the best ambassadors we have in the kayak fishing community. And of course, I'm talking about the grand champion for the Hobie BOS, Christine Fisher. She's going to be joining me this episode. I'm hoping you're going to like it. I know she's come on a lot of podcasts and a lot of shows, so it kind of only felt right to have this um come out at the at the beginning of the season instead of towards the end um i kind of want to it's go both good for the our special guests you know where they have that coverage not just in one week but throughout spread out through a couple of weeks or month uh to give exposure and also for you guys if you listen to our podcast probably get a new fresh take on a couple of things that we're going to be talking about that may have not been discussed on other podcasts and other shows. So anyways, before we go to commercials, obviously I want to thank my, um, uh, oh my God, I forgot the word, my sponsor, Douglas. Go to douglasoutdoors.com, check out their full sponsor, I mean their full lineup of LRS, X-Matrix. You can tell I'm nervous for having Christian Fish. I'm all over the place. But anyways, go check out douglasoutdoors.com and their full lineup of LRS, X-Matrix rods, some of my favorite rods, um, they really do a great job in taking care of their pro staff. And I'm really honored to have them um, as my sponsor and their product is amazing. So go check them out. We're going to go to a quick commercial. Then we're going to have Christine Fisher back on the show. So thanks again, everyone. Enjoy. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, 
1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right, man, I fumbled through that, Christine. You got me nervous. That's a Armando. Come on now. I was like, wow, I haven't been this nervous having a, a special guest since I can remember, since my first show, probably. I'm flattered. <laughs> no, I'm flattered and honored to be, have you on the podcast. So thank you again. I know you've done so many episodes, so many, um, I don't know, how many podcasts have you done since you went to TOC? Like 40? Oh my God. Over 40 in the last three weeks, which is, you know, I took a hiatus from podcasts and I had to tell everybody no starting in January. I took a break all spring, all summer, all fall, just because I needed like some me time this year. Yeah. And so it was only right that I let everybody back in and just did a ton of podcasts for the next few weeks. So it was good timing. No, and it's it's a balance, you know, it's a delicate balance because you obviously you benefit from the exposure and the and the community benefits that sports benefits. I don't know what's going on with my cap. Here we go. Um, but at the same time, you have to keep your personal life. Pers you know, you have to have that special time, that me time. Um, tournament angler is, you know, it feels like fun, but you have to travel a lot. You mentioned it on the YouTube channel that um, you posted an episode today actually for those out there listening this was posted on what is it december 7th talking about the winnings on you know and kind of like the cost and how you can make actually uh profitable to a certain degree of uh, life in tournament fishing and kayak for tournament fishing which i thought it was a great episode but there's a lot of hard work in between you know like it's not just about winning tournaments it's yeah. also about having the media and doing that the podcast thing the shows plus um, editing and creating your own videos, which is not easy, of course. Yeah. How have you managed it? I mean, when you look back at how your growth, both in the tournament and the social media, how has it been for you now? Well, you know, um, it's been a huge learning experience. And kind of getting into this, luckily for me, I've always been kind of a hustler. Uh, right out of high school, I started working two jobs in college. And then for the next 10 years, I'd work three jobs at a time. You know, just to, that's just that's how I operate. I always wanted to work really hard um, to be able to take care of myself for the future. So with the fishing industry, I very quickly started to realize the importance of building your business because the best anglers out there, given the changing landscape of our industry, man, you can't, you can't, it's really tough to do it just winning tournaments alone. You've got to have the business side. And luckily for me, I've always loved networking. I've always loved um, communicating with people and uh, building relationships. It's always something I've done really well at. And that's basically the, the sponsor landscape. And social media, it's it's putting out positive, uplifting content, and but it, it is a full time job, you know. Especially when you're editing all your own videos, you're you're uh, getting photos. Luckily, I've got G this year has really helped me get some good photos and stuff. But it's a it's a full time job on top of being a tournament angler. But that is what I do for a living. Um, so I, I work really hard at it, and it it didn't pay off right away. It, it was very slow kind of a slow building process, but I feel like we've last couple of years gained some traction and here we are. 
No, no, you've had a ton of success. And it, you know, for those out there that maybe don't know you, you're not just a YouTuber, right? You're, I, my opinion, you're a tournament angler versus a competitor, a winner, as proven by the TOC, the toughest um, championship out there, and at least in kayak fishing. And secondary, you're a content creator. And one of the things that I really appreciate about your content creation, not just your YouTube video, but you take time in Facebook to highlight the goodness and the um, the things that are being done, you know, on the water and off the water within the kayak fishing community. And I think that's important. Yes, I get it. We all love the clickbait. We all love the debates. We all get entertained by stuff that are being said in group chats and all that. But at the same time, that can be overwhelming and it can bring a lot of negativity on it and a lot of tribalism and a lot of different opinions. And, you know, with social media now, everybody is kind of like, feels that they can express themselves in a way they wouldn't express themselves in front of anybody else. Kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the double-edged sword. But you've made it a point to highlight good, good things that happen on the water and still be successful at it. You know, proven that you don't need to always, you don't need to do clickbaits. You don't need to highlight, you know, stuff, negative stuff that's going to get a lot of views. You can still focus on good stuff, on good feelings, good vibes, good people, and still have a productive social media following. Did that come to you naturally or was that an effect that you had watching what was happening in social media within the kayak fishing community? You know, for me, it it really kind of came naturally. Um, I saw how some successful people were doing it, but like you said, a lot of there was a lot of the clickbait. There was a lot of the the grabby titles and the you know the pictures where you looked where women looked really pretty that were getting a lot of attention. And I the biggest and most important thing for me, and this has been kind of the the backbone of my character for the entirety of my life, is my. Um, you know, my authenticity and being true to who I am. So, you know, I think that if I would, I could have done things differently and probably got that overnight fame, you know, or, or had way faster growth, but the way I did it and, you know, choosing who I worked with and turning down and learning when to say no to certain sponsorships or partnering with certain companies, not making it about money um, and putting out what content that I could, I like to say like content that I could hang my hat on and sleep good at night type of deal that I knew that this is me putting myself out there, putting my best out there and doing it my way more importantly. Um, and did it work at first? No, it was slow. Like I said, but, um, it is natural because it's real for me. And one of the things that I think it's more important that you can't put a monetary value on it is the respect that you get. Everybody in the kayak fishing respects you as an angler. Um, in your personality, in your character buildup, they understand who you are and what you stand for. And I think that says a lot. I see a lot of like content creators to kind of like gripe I'm not about not getting the respect within yeah. the professional level. Was well, you can't have your cake and eat it too, kind of thing. There's certain things that you're gonna do. You're not gonna earn the respect from you know the elders in the in the community or the ones that build the foundation. Especially when talking about kayak fishing, with such a new sport, and we're still in this infancy level, like building the foundation on it. So I really commend you for what you do. I mean, like you said, it's it's grown in an organic way, and it still shows the value of your character both on and on the water as a tournament angler 
and uh, as a person in your personal life. So, and you know, and I would ask you what advice you have to other people. Um, but I mean, I think you said it uh, better than anybody on how you approached it. Moving into now the tournament side of it, you just won the TOC. And one of the things that kind of coincides with your social media is how you kept it real, you know, you we we all got i think a little bit emotional when you got that fish fish on that last day i mean you you called your family i think it was either your your father or your grandfather and he was telling you you know hang up and go back to fish you know the job's not done um take me through day one day two and day three without you know not focusing on debates but that the emotional impact okay of trying to catch five fish the first day, trying to catch five fish the second day, and finally that fish fish on the last day. How did that feel, that pressure of catching that last fish? Um, so, you know, coming into the tournament, it was really strange because I told a lot of the, the guys I was rooming with, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm very, I'm like eerily calm about this tournament. I, I had a bad practice. I mean, I wasn't betting on myself to even cash a check. Um, I knew I had some, you know, some fish here and there, but I didn't really know what I had. All I knew is I was going to go out, have a good time, just be thankful to be qualified for this tournament and fishing, you know, um, especially ever after having such a tough national championship. Um, so day one, uh, I ended up getting my limit just like that. And I, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I didn't have a big limit right off the bat, but I had five fish. And as tournament anglers, you know, getting that fifth fish, no matter how big your limit is quick is like, okay, now I can go fish and go cold. And that was kind of the story for my day one and day two. After day one and kind of, I, I got to learn my area a little bit. I knew that, okay, I've got a limit spot and I've got some fish here. I'm going to go fish new water. And the, I didn't have really any pressure on myself at all day one and day two. I was very calm, fishing very collected. And just, it, it was like how every angler wants to be going into a huge tournament. I felt zero pressure and I wish I could harness that and, you know, implement that and re just repeat it. And it's, it's, I'm going to try to do that next year, but day three was different. Um, I, only had four fish at noon, whereas I had a limit mm. by eight o'clock the first two days. So, and I lost my fifth fish, I think three times yes. um, at noon. And they were, and they were all, you know, probably three pounders, like 17, 18 inch fish, 18 and a half inch fish. I lost three good fish. And so I was starting to get a little bit flustered. Um, I went back to the spot. I had the camera boat was with me pretty yep. much most of day three. And I said, Shane, I'm going to go back to the spot where, you know, a, a bass boat actually started back there and beat me to it. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even get to start there on day three. And I could have completely flipped out. Um, that bass boat went straight back there, beat me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's my limit spot. But it ended up being a huge blessing because I just was like, OK, that's fine. I, I don't care to fish behind him. I'm just going to work my way back there slow. So I'm not fishing right behind him. And I caught an 18 on the first cast staying back and fishing at just a new stretch of bank. And then I caught a 17 and a half and I was just like, huh, okay. So then I caught another big fish and caught a little one back there. And then I went all the way back after, you know, all this had happened and I went to try to catch another fish. And I told Shane, I was like, there might be some, some, these fish are small, but all I need is one. And sure enough, as soon as I got back there, the camera was rolling and I make my first cast and I caught that 13 and a half incher, which is my fifth fish. And 
the smallest fish by far in my limit. I think my third smallest or my, my second smallest like a, was like a 16 and three quarter. I had a good, good four bag uh, limit going into that. And I, as you all know, I started crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, the emotions just totally, totally hit me. And I didn't know if that fish, you know, would really amount to anything, but just my whole goal in this tournament was just to get five fish each day. Cause I knew the bite was tough for a lot of people. And as any tournament angler, getting five is really important. And so when I finally got that, I've never been so happy to see a little 13 and a half inch fish come into my kayak. And it was uh, like the, just almost like the entire year's worth of, of trials that I've been through this year, all played out right there. And I was so happy because I, I was victorious over all of them in that moment, over everything. I got control of my year back control and got my fifth fish. And I just, all I could do is just pray and give thanks for it. And it, it was probably, I'll never forget that moment where that felt like. It really felt like the pressure of the whole season was right there. It was just like an elephant over your shoulders. And it kind of finally like that release of like, finally, the season is done now. Chips fall where they fall, whether it's first, second or third. I'm done. I'm yep. done. And I'm and I'm proud of what I did. And we'll see what happens. When did you find out you were going to win? Like from the from the video, it showed like you really found out right there and then with the announcement. How confident were you that you actually were going to win that turn that your name was going to be the one on the top? Uh, not at all. I had heard, you know, there's all kinds of this doc talk that goes on after the tournament. And I heard that uh, Jordan Marshall absolutely smashed him and beat Ron by like 10 inches. And, you know, Ron thought when the leaderboard went off, Ron thought he won. And then I think Jordan thought he won when he caught that big last minute cold. Um, and when I heard Marshall caught him really good, I was like, oh, I know I beat Ron with what I had, but I probably didn't beat Marshall. And honestly, I, I was a little bummed. But to be totally honest with you, even knowing that I was in the top three after the, you know, the season I had and the year I had, I was so happy. So happy. You, I mean, nothing, nothing at that point could have happened to make to upset me. Getting second, you know, any of that. Didn't care. I was so thankful just to be up there in the top three. And yeah, congratulations. It felt, I'm sure it felt amazing. This is obviously your biggest win, I would imagine, oh, yes. in your career. Um <laughs> When you look back at this year and and everything you you went through, we were talking. You and I were talking on the boat ramp at the end of uh, the first day on Saturday of the Trinity River, and you mentioned how much you wanted to make the top ten for the KBF, and you looked like a shoo-in. You had a great weekend, um, uh, and it seems like you know things at the KBF were clicking. However, things at the Hobie BOS were not. You were really struggling mightily at some point. And I say that with respect because you're a great angler. Um, it really came, I thought, and I was looking at the standings, and I remember thinking if the, the tournament before the TOC, and I tried to remember, I don't want to sound stupid, but was it Pickwick, right? That was the last tournament going yeah. into TOC. Yeah. So I remember thinking if Christine doesn't pull up, like if I, I remember thinking if she doesn't get into that top three, I don't think she gets to the TOC. I, and I wasn't sure, like I'm not a big math guy, but I was thinking, man, I think she, I think she needs a top three finish to, otherwise she may not even make 
the Hobie TLC. And I'm thinking, how crazy could this be that she doesn't make the Hobie TLC? We're, tell me, you tell me, we're going into Pickwick, did you have to be on the top three to actually qualify or were you already kind of like I there? was already in pretty, I, I, so even though I didn't have a great year in the Hobie, you know, I had a sixth at the Susquehanna. I had a uh, 15th and I had an 18th. So I still had pretty good finishes, but only one top 10. I was sitting in like, I think I was sitting in 20th in the AOI points and that's before all of the roll downs. Mm. So I was pretty safe um, going into pick. Like I had a good enough year where, you know, they took the top 20 in AOI and like 12 of those people already rolled down. So it was at like 32. So the 30 top 32 would go. I was in 20th going into Pickwick and I, I, I felt pretty dang safe, but still, you know, I wasn't happy with my year in the Hobie mm. tournament. So it was my worst, even though I cashed a good check at that Susquehanna and I had some top 20s for me, I, it just wasn't, my normal year i had a lot of stuff kind of going on that you know i was struggling with the kobe series but you know it took me most all of the year to finally pull it together and, and you know fish like i know i'm capable of but yeah it uh I, I definitely would not have been in contention for angler of the year had i not taken second at pickwick did you really felt that the pressure that you needed to at least get yourself in a good spot going into yes, the TLC? Both mentally, because at that point, like the hopes of landing on the top 10 and the KPF were like fading, right? So it's kind of like it's that roller coaster of emotions you go through the whole season where the highs are highs, and the lows can be lows. Now the tournament is almost ending. And like we were talking about that pressure of that last fish, the last fish on the last day of the TOC, how everything came, the emotions. How was it for you going into, you know, going to the TLC, knowing that the KBF top 10 wasn't probably a realistic option at that point? Um, the national championship, but was, wasn't the result that you wanted. How are you mentally, emotionally going into the TLC? Did you feel comfortable saying like, you know, I can get this or you feel like, man, things are kind of like not working out for me. Am I getting, I, were you getting down on yourself at any point? You know, it's really odd. Um, you know, my one goal this year was to really make the 10 and, um, going into the national championship, yeah, I had a great chance of doing that. I was in 11th going in, so super. All I could do was just knock, and I, I did. Um, but, you know, my my boyfriend and my my other half won the national championship. Mm. So though I was uh, – internally, it was so hard on me falling short of a goal. Um, my boyfriend got first. One of my very good friends got second. And the entire top, you know, the stage was full of people that I absolutely love and admire. And I, I'm one of those people, like, it's hard for me to stay upset when so many people that I love are doing so good. And I left the national championship feeling, if you were there and you witnessed, you know, the, the testimonies on stage and all of the positivity and the good mm. from that tournament and how those guys, I was so proud of them. Um, it felt like, it almost felt like, okay, this was... This season, even though I didn't end it how I wanted to, the person I love more than anything made the biggest career move of his life. And so many of my people did well. It was like the season can end right now. And it felt like it did. I was like, I'm happy with how it is. It was it was an exhausting year. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Going into the TRC, I was kind of just like, I mean, it's it's so late in the season. It was just after this huge national championship, very emotional roller coaster. I was kind of just... I wasn't checked out, but I wasn't all 
ramped up going into it, if that makes sense. And it's almost kind of like embarrassing to say that because I, I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, giving it my full attention and getting all excited. And it was, it was hard for me to find that motivation going into the TRC after everything in the national championship. Kind of, that brings me to a curious question. Now I've heard this, I'm a huge sports guy. I love sports. I remember um, Kobe Bryant used to say that when he was sick, that actually, well, he had like the flu or something. He played better because it kind of forced him to like, okay, I have to calm down a little bit. I have to, you know, app that down a little bit because it's not. Did that sentiment actually help you knowing like, okay, I'm not checked out, but I'm okay with whatever happens. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm satisfied with my year. Did that actually help you win the tournament? Not thinking, oh, I got to win this, man. I hope I win this. I'm pressuring myself. Do you think that played a part into it? Oh, absolutely. Um, because, you know, going into the national championship, I had a phenomenal practice. Like I was on winning fish, just like a lot. I mean, I had a hundred inch limits easily in the national championship. So knowing that I'm on these incredible fish and I'm right there, I'm going to make the 10 day one, the nerves and the pressure got to me. And I just completely, you know, and, and I've done a lot better about that this year, but this one got to me because I wanted it so bad. And I fished terrible. You know, I had a small limit. Luckily, I was able to completely scrap it together and still cash a check at the national championship. But, you know, my shot at the 10 was gone for that from that one day. And with the TOC, I was fishing like I had nothing to lose. And I was just happy to be there. I was going to go out and go fishing. And I fished so good. I, I fished methodically. I fished. My casting was perfect. You know, I made good decisions. My mind was clear. My head was clear. And when you have all of those things, you're it's going to be reflected in your fishing. It's so much right between the eyes. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I think mental aspect on this sport is it's you know I I, I hate to put numbers but like it's I don't know ninety percent of the bottle whatever it is. You know, we talk about kayak fishing and you've proven you're a great angler. You know, this is, yet yeah, it is a male-dominated sport. But being the fastest, being the strongest, really is not going to translate into catching fishing. What's going to translate is your knowledge and the wisdom to apply that knowledge and how you, you know, work yourself mentally. And I've, I've talked to anglers that I've been on tournaments um, uh, that, you know, I had a good friend at the Bass Nation Kayak Series in Lake Fork that was telling me, you know, halfway through my day i just snapped my rods and and just went to the car and got into fetal position and fetal position and cried because there's a lot you know and it's hard it was like it works i mean it really works on your psychic so that's it goes to show a strong psychic and a good um mental aspect of it is takes you a long way to having success more than anything and obviously you found that edge you not only found success in kayak fishing, you did boat tournaments. You actually did a sea do tournament, correct? Yes. And you, did you want, actually, you won the tournament, right? I got second. I second. Yeah, second out of all of these local. I mean, that was, it was so cool. That speaks a lot, I think, as well-branded as you are. You know, you did very good at uh, as the uh, co-angler in, in some of the, was it BFL or Bass Nation? Bass, the Bassmaster Open. Bassmasters. Yeah, two of those and cash checks and both of those two what i think what has been your favorite fishing i'm gonna i'm sure you're gonna say kayak fishing but how does let's say you see do rank see do fishing rank among kayak fishing and bass boat fishing 
Yes, kayak fishing is always going to be my favorite. Um, fishing from the Sea Dew was so unique, and it was so it was so fun. That that was one of the most incredible experiences I had. Um, is it conducive to bass fishing? Probably not a whole lot when you're trying. I'm a shallow water power fisherman, mm-hmm. and with the Sea Dew, if you watch my YouTube video, I'm having to a lot of the times. I cast and I have to adjust and, and reel and stop and, and turn it so it doesn't keep because it's always moving. Yeah. So it's always going this way or that way. Um, but being able to run around on you know infamous Lake Powell, one of the most beautiful lakes in the world. Mm. And you know, I had one rod of the spinner bay and I went all over and you know, I probably covered like 30 miles on that little sea dew. And it was it was an absolutely incredible experience. I would definitely do that again. I would definitely fish a sea dew tournament again. I actually saw in Lake Louisville a guy with a sea dew, and he actually had a, I don't know how he did it because I saw him from afar. He had a motor guide um, uh, bow mountain trolling motor on it with the GPS and everything. That's insane. I was like, how does he yeah. do that? <laughs> that seemed like a good marriage right there because now you can fish on shallow waters with that and stay your course. Now that looking back at this season, you've had kind of like the disappointments of the KBF and now the Constellation Prize, best Constellation Prize we can think of, right? The TLC um, winner. How satisfied or disappointed or hungry are you going into next season? You know, I'm I'm definitely sad. I wouldn't say satisfied. I'm just thankful. Um, I'm so grateful, not maybe not really because of the tournament wins, you know, but more so because of the support that I have in the entire industry. Um, you know, I'm reminded all the time. You, you mentioned earlier that a lot of people respect me and that's, I see that all the time and I'm, I'm that's all I've wanted getting into this thing. And I've got guys on the, that fish the elite series that fish MLF, um, major brands in the industry that, that support me and reach out to me and, and want me to succeed. And, and of course, all of my friends in the kayak fishing world, um, my family, I'm just so thankful. That's really all the only emotion I have right now, even going into next year, is I'm just thankful that I get to do this for a living. And I, I get to, you know, make a living out of this little plastic boat. And I've met the most incredible people and in the in the industry and um, hungry for next year. Yeah, I, I want to win an Angler of the Year title. You know, that's a goal of mine. I want to fish more of the Bassmaster Opens. Um, but right now, I'm just kind of taking it one day at a time and just relishing in it and just, just being grateful. If you've earned it and you sure earned the, the rest of the off season, I kind of wanted to ask you about the... Uh, we talked a little bit about this in the pre-recording, going to this off-season compared to last last year's off-season. Last year off-season, midway through the year, you seemed riding high, both in your personal life and in tournament. You were doing solid, as you always do, consistent. Things kind of took a left turn, both um, professional relationships and personal relationships in, in different aspects. Um, dynamics change in a way that we never like to see them change. Did that affect you? at any point mentally did that did the struggles of that translate at any point in your tournaments or did you feel like it made you stronger more focused to now just kind of focus on fish and just get all that outside noise out of you i think a little bit of both you know um last year was was such a tough year for me at the end you know um going through a a really hard breakup um you know with a, a fiance 
that I had been with for a long time and that I cared about, that was devastating and uh, really, really tough for me. Um, it definitely probably did affect my, uh, uh, at least a, at least a little bit of my fall um, with my fishing. I actually took some time off and just kind of tried to, to recenter and regroup. Um, luckily, like I said, I had a great support system and people that helped me get back and, and just kind of the way that I've always done things. I've had a lot it, it, on any route to be successful. We've got mountains we got to climb. And the best thing you can do when, when this stuff and this, this heartache faces you is you have to get back out there and just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, you know, fishing is such a great outlet for a lot of us, whether we're going through losing a job or losing a loved one or going through a mm-hmm. divorce or a breakup, you know, fishing or an addiction um, or, you know, PTSD fishing is so therapeutic and it's, it's so healing. And uh, I think I did kind of pour into my fishing during that time. Um, my next tournament after that breakup didn't go so good, <laughs> but and it did probably did affect me a little bit. Um, however, you know, I was at that next month. I had a little bit of time off. I went out and just musky fish, hung out with good friends, just kind of found myself again. And then the TOC you know, again, kind of the same thing as this year, zero expectations. I only had a day and a half to practice and I went out there and it just, it was like, like God kind of gave me a little bit of a, of a sign like, Hey, keep going. I got you, you know, like I've got you. And getting third in that was just like another metaphorical victory over the heartbreak that I kind of went through. So, yeah, I think pouring into fishing once again, you know, as many of us do, was was a lifesaver. It definitely is. And I know a lot. I've had a lot of special guests on my show, like um, so many of them that have gone through that, you know, PTSD and how kayak fishing has helped. And it speaks to the great um, greatness of our sport uh, in the community, too. Um, you've you seem to be one of those persons that really. Um, enjoys or embraces having a good support group. It shows in your social media, you know, how you called your your, your father or, and your grandfather um, and your friends. We know you, you recently had your birthday and it was a bunch of people going and it seemed like you had a great time. How important is it for you to have that support group um, going forward to your next goals? Huge. Um you know, I've always, I'm very independent and I know that I can do a lot of things on my own. I'm a survivor, I'm a fighter, but I also recognize that I'm nothing without the people that love me and support me. And I'm so fortunate for that. You know, I think about all the people that don't have, you know, a loving, supportive family or they don't have the, the friends that I have. And it just reminds me every single day of how thankful and how grateful I am for the people in my life. I mean, I feel like i'm one of the luckiest people on the planet for the amount of people that love me and support me and just you know want to see me succeed you know and there's definitely people out there who don't i'm very well aware of that you know when you're successful there's going to be a handful of people that want are are waiting for you to fall on your face um but the people that that love and support me far outweigh that and um i think that's a huge there's been a couple of times even this year where i was like man i this some of this stuff is too much i don't why am I even kayak fishing? I'm just going to get off social media and the people in my support system help me get through that and say, Hey, no, 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 no. This sport needs you. You're not going anywhere and we got you. And so I, and in a lot of regard, I owe that to them, to all of my friends and family. And, um, I definitely owe that to them. 
and it speaks to your character as a person, right? Because those types of relationship and that type of uh, backup from friends doesn't just fall out of the sky. It's there no. because they see who you are, they recognize your character, and they want to be there for you. Your personality invites them to say, hey, you know what? I want to back um, support Christine. I want her to succeed. And that speaks to you as a person, you know, on and off the water. We see how, you know, um, I remember one of my favorite story was talking to Jody Quinn with um, when we were at the um, um, Trinity River, right? So he caught that 11 pounder and he immediately called you. Now, you, keep in mind, you're still in the running. Matthew Scott had 100 inches in the first hour. Um, Jody Quinn, 109 inches. You were right there. Um, Gio, G. Guillermo, comeback kid, like, see, like, no lead is safe when he's on the water, you know. And you took time to go from wherever you were to go help Jody to weigh that fish, you know, because yeah. it, it was important to him if, with, you know, money riding on the line. So it kind of speaks out to that camaraderie where you're like, I know I'm fishing for money, but there is connections with people so it's like a great human being as jody queen one of the greats in our sports that yeah. you're willing to say hey you know what i'm going to stop fishing to help you out even if it's something so tribal as to say i want to see how much it weighs um and he didn't have a weight scale so you went to be so i think that speaks a lot you know those connections um is what earns you you know that support group that you've had going into this off season now that we're going to start this off season compared to what last year's off season Obviously, there's some glaring differences, but for you, how does it feel for you going into this offseason, knowing the success and silver linings on what happened? Um, you know, so some things that happened seemed like negatively, but now have turned into a positive in your personal life. Mm -hmm. How does that feel for you now, just going into you going into next season? It's it's just the the truth is is that you know when we're in the midst of these trials and this this heartache for in my case we can't see that you know things really do happen for a reason and it's so hard to grasp that and put trust into the greater plan and uh it's it's one of those one of the most beautiful moments in life is when we kind of have that like ah okay now i understand mm -hmm. and this the end of this year was a big aha moment for me because I know that without a shadow of doubt, and it's probably the only time I could ever say this, that I am right where I'm supposed to be in every single aspect in my life. And that's a pretty, I mean, monumental statement, you know, and especially being just so shortly removed from some really tough stuff. Um, but it, it, it all happens for a reason. It was necessary for the growth, for the perspective, and, you know, going back, I probably wouldn't change it because I wouldn't be where I am now and with, you know, who I'm with right now. Yeah. And I, I just feel so much peace. And just, again, I'm going to go back to that reoccurring theme of, of uh, gratitude, you know, just for everything. I definitely couldn't say this at this time last year or even the, the preceding years before that. So it's uh, just a testament that when you're going through something that is just seemingly impossible to get through and you're at your rock bottom and the, just the, the pits of despair get back up there is a light keep pushing and things will you know it's never about our timing and things will 
will get out and turn better for you. You just have to get back up and keep pushing forward and just put faith in that. It's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, and it's not always easy, but you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's always a silver lining. There's always something better ahead. And I know this podcast, obviously, it's going to be centered about you, but talking a little bit about your relationship, I mean, you're with uh, Gio is one of the most beloved and respected anglers in the kayak fishing community. I mean, I've met him just a couple of times and I already fell in love with this guy. You know, he's such a nice guy, such a gentleman on and off the water. Um, when you... When you, I look at you before even that, like even last, the, the beginning of this year, before you got into a relationship, one of the things that I noticed about independently, each one of you, is that your progression, you both on your side and on his side, you were kind of like those that are, oh, yeah, hanging out in the top 10, but not the Jody Queens of Russ Snyder's. And gradually we've seen Gio just elevate his game to a level when I was actually asking Jody Quinn, does Gio have an it factor? Kind of like... A, Again, like uh, Tom Brady in sports or Michael Jordan in basketball, when you see him go like from like one one ten at the last minute, the TOC, you know, putting three hundred inches, like a hundred inches every day, and then we see your progression as well, being consistent, not not just hovering in the you know, top ten in the world, but actually making a mark and inching along to like I'm in the top now. How does that? How did that come about? Is it just as simple as putting time over the water or were other external factors that have elevated you the game to now being at the top of the sport? So I think, uh, you know, you you maybe kind of lightly touched on it. A big part of, I think, both Guillermo and I's success this year is that, you know, for the first time, we had each other's support in in an incredible way. Um, you, when you're with the right, when you're with that person, you know, like your best friend and you're cheering for them and rooting them on and encouraging them, you know, ahead of yourself, it, it like, I don't know for me, just having his support throughout the year and was, was just mon- huge for my success. And I think I was able to do the same thing for him. Um, not to take away from just the natural ability and talent that that boy has. He's probably one of the best anglers out there. I mean, you know, like you said, he and I have always been very consistent we're, we're good anglers, you know, have a lot of uh, tournament wins and top tens and top fives under our belt. But this year was definitely um, our best years. And I think a lot of it is because we were able to um, kind of find that that mutual, just that good space and have a good head game. And we're happy and our minds are clear and we got each other's back. And it's just a, kind of a beautiful thing when you're kind of in this with your uh, with your best friend, you know. How does that translate? Because I know a lot of people, and I don't agree with it, and let me, you know, nip this in the butt. A lot of people, I'm sure, are going to say, well, you know, that share information. I've yeah. seen your videos, and I've seen where I've fished in the same waters, you know, in the same lakes on tournaments that you fish and that you fish, and I've never seen you both fish the same area. Maybe you do, but I've never seen it. Yeah. I know for a fact when you fish on your tournaments and your video, it's clear that you're by yourself. Now, this is you. How does that dynamic, come, you know, in in compare you know because at one point you want to win it it's great for your career and your social media so is there any a point where you're like i'm not sharing this sequence this stays with me <laughs> or from the other side it's just like no nah, you know I'm, I'm keeping this information to myself does that ever, does that dynamic ever play it out in the relationship for you you know maybe like every now and then it might a little bit i'm sure he keeps a few things from me but when it all kind of boils down to it he and i you know 
we fish so differently. And again, we're, we're usually, what's really funny is like the Pickwick tournament. The first thing that popped in my head was, oh great, here's G and Scotch and I, everyone's going to think we're fishing the same. Yeah. Stuff. When it's like, thank goodness, like I said, I record all my videos. So yeah. people see that I literally, I go to where nobody is. I fish by myself. I, I want to find my own fish, do my own thing. And I like finding those areas that people kind of overlook. But I mean, I was fishing big, small mouth up by the dam. Matt Scotch was in the dead center of the lake on the stuff that I actually won on last year. And then G was like as far south as you could possibly be. So we couldn't have been, the three of us could not have been further apart. But that, that definitely does always have to cross my mind. I'm just like, you know, but that's the thing. People see where I fish, where he fishes. We're doing, we're fishing different ways and doing different things. Um, do we tell each other how our day has been going? Absolutely. Yeah, because he's my best friend. I tell him everything. Do I sometimes keep a little tidbit to myself? I may have done that a few times this year, and I know he's done it too. Because, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we still like to compete and see who's yeah. going to do better. And I'll say it here. I won't tell him, but he's a way better angler than me. Like, I'm pretty good, but G is like G is like a, a fishing god. He's phenomenal. He's like, I would say G and Cody and Russ and Jody are on a entirely different level than, yeah. than anybody. I mean, I'll put myself up there in the top, you know, probably top 20 of this sport, along with a ton of other well-deserving people. Those four, different level. No, definitely. And kind of spoiled my la my next question. So my next question is obviously going to be one-on-one -on -one for all the marbles. Who's going to win, Gio or Christine? Now, okay, if you can put me on moving water for smallmouth, I got him. I'm a better fisherman when it comes to river fishing, and I will take that to my grave. I'm a better smallmouth bass fisherman on moving water. About anywhere else, probably <laughs> That's it, so it all depends if we have home court advantage or not, right? And yeah. so that's interesting. But yeah, I, it, I, I've never beat him in Texas. Ever. And I, I wanted to clarify this because, and I, and I wanted to point out this question. So I want no doubt to be said. Like I, I, you know, have a lot of respect for you. Do I have a ton of respect also as well for you? I've kind of talked to you a little bit more, um, and I know what you both are about. And I wanted to clarify that because I know there's going to be. Obviously, people are going to say, oh, there is no, they don't. And I've seen it on the water. No, you guys don't. You can see the videos. Anybody that thinks that way, you're wrong. And you should watch the videos and you should be on the water and ask people that are actually on the water competing. And you yeah. find out that's not, not the case. And I don't think anything should be taken away from you um, or Gio or even Matt Scott, because I know Matt Scott is a great friend and also a great angler. Matt Scott has done amazing this year. That doing and. He fished Lake Worth on that tournament, so that he came up, I think, fourth. He got yeah. or third. He had a hundred inches, so that wasn't even the same lake that you all fish. So, yeah. props to him, um, and congratulations to Matt also having a great season. Before I let you go, Christine, and I know we, I've had you almost for an hour, but I have some kind of like rapid questions I wanted to go over okay. real quickly. You can only fish once, and I know the answer, but I'm I know there's people out there that don't know you that well. You know, may be hearing you for the first time. I know you love musky. I know you love smallmouth bass. I know you love largemouth bass. When it comes to fun fishing, not tournaments, musky, largemouth, or smallmouth, which one? You know the answer. What is it? Smallmouth. Musky. Musky, really? Hands down. Yep. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say, and now you're right. Well, Looking back at you, 
Smallmouth has got dangerously close. Yeah. Dangerously close. And I will admit this year I had the choice to do musky or smallmouth, and I did do smallmouth. But nine times out of ten, it's going to be musky. I really thought smallmouth, because I know you mentioned one of the videos says, you know how much musk, um, smallmouth tug at my string heart. So I really thought, like, okay, smallmouth took over. Smallmouth. It's still musky, though. Musky. Awesome. Too bad there's not that many musky tournaments. So that that would be a hard tournament. Only like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a hard tournament. Um, favorite body of water, fishing. Well, you kind of mentioned the the river thing, but like yeah. specific, like a lake or river that you really like. Which one? You know, I've uh, I've grown really really fond of uh, the Susquehanna River. Mm. Really really love the Susquehanna. I love the James River. Um, I'll I'll say I'll say four. Say Susquehanna the james um i'm just gonna say the boulder junction wisconsin area all those little lakes up there and then yeah. lake sinclair nice that order so sasquatch first uh no they're kind of like an all weird equal tie oh yeah there we go <laughs> um favorite bait buzz bait buzz bait nice um fondest memory of fishing doesn't have to be a tournament doesn't have to be the TLC. in fact we'll we'll exclude the toc other than the toc what's been your fondest memory out there fishing you know to be totally honest probably growing up and uh fishing the banks of the weeping water lake with my grandpa and my little brother every single sunday that we were home um most forgettable day out on the water Day they just like, I mean, I wish I would have never gone fishing this day. Oh gosh. Most let's see. There's I mean, it's hard for me to find a day I wish I never went fishing. Um oh, I got it. Uh last year I drove my poor friend Jordan Westerman up to uh, northern Wisconsin, January first. It was negative twenty-one degrees out, and we decided to camp out on the ice. And go ice fishing and i didn't have a snowmobile so we had to we drug all the gear about three quarter of a mile and three foot of snow oh my god three trips and set the camp up didn't catch a single thing we froze we had the heater going we ran out of propane i mean it was a it was an absolutely miserable trip miserable and he's still to this day probably won't let me live that down that I made him go do that. <laughs> but I wish that's one day I can say, I wish I just probably wouldn't have done that. Awesome. Um, moving into next season, you mentioned it, Angler of the Year. Um, what's on the perfect season? Well, obviously, perfect season was winning Angler of the Year on all three tournaments and the championship on all three tournaments. But realistic um, goals for you. Top 10, would that be safe to say that's your main goal next year? KBF top 10. Yep. I want, I want, I'd really like to win an angler of the year title. That's really one of the one things I haven't done yet. was when angler of the year and one of the big national trails. Um, and yeah, qualifying for the 10. That's, I mean, for me, I feel like it's, it's pretty, I've made the TOC every single year, um, fairly easily because of the, the, uh, I'm able to fish so many of the tournaments and I do fairly, I'm fairly consistent. So that's that's kind of a loose goal, but you know my big goals are to make the ten and to win an Angler of the Year title. I think that'd be pretty phenomenal. Well, we wish you the best at all tournaments and all success. I wanted to ask you real quickly before I let you go. Um, 
we saw the bass schedule changes. I respect that bass nation is bass nation cacs is, is trying. They're trying. They're trying to listen. I feel there's still ways to go, and I, for the life of me, I can't understand why we're not there. But that's my opinion. <laughs> what do you feel Bass Nation has to do for it to take to the next level? If and again, we're not criticizing, we're not bashing on anybody. Certainly yeah. not Dwayne Wally. He's done a great job. But what do you think should Bass Nation could do to make this better for them? What really, would you like to- the best thing they could do is to have a an action. You know, when Steve Owens was there working with them, yeah. they could have kept Steve Owens on and let him have some control and decision-making would have been the best thing. They've got to have a, a someone that, you know, a kayak angler that is very familiar with running tournaments and knows how our system works. Um, I think if they were to get somebody like that and let that person have control, that would be huge. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to do that. You know, they seem to keep things pretty much in-house and close to the chest, and it's, it's not going um, very well. But, you know, there is room to improve, and I think they are going to continue to try. But I, I wish – I'd like to see them get somebody like they had Steve or, or Tyler Cole and allow them to have a little more reins. I agree. I think that's going to be a big part moving forward. Um, and, again, we don't we want them to succeed. I think it's important for the growth of the sport if they get involved and they have success. Christine, I've had you for almost an hour, and I am super grateful for honoring the podcast you've done so many podcasts and you have some well-earned rest before i let you go i want to give you a chance to give shout outs sponsorships anybody you want to give thanks to or shout out please take your time um well first of all i want to thank you for having me on oh, my it's, pleasure. Been a, it's been an awesome conversation I, I love your podcast you always do a good oh, job thank you um guillermo and matt in other room adore you as well so thank you for representing texas well you make um, me blush here now yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I already said, you know, thank you to the, the people that support me and follow me and um, lift me up. That's that's huge. My family, um, my friends, all of my sponsors. I've got some incredible ones that I partner with and uh, just everybody in the industry. Like I said, it, it's it's can't do this alone. Definitely can't do it alone. And I'm eternally grateful for for everybody. Well, Christine, thank you again so much for taking the time and again, honoring the podcast. Um, we wish you the best of success, both on the water and off the water in your personal life, in your social media content, in your YouTube videos. I think the work that you are doing and how it translates to the growth of the sport is very important. And I think the kayak fishing community is, is a better place because of persons like you, Gio, Matt, Jody, and a host of other people that that too many to mention. So thank you for what you do for growing the sport and for all your hard work and putting great content out there that's actually useful, entertaining, and professional. So with that said, you know, uh, we would like to thank all the listeners. I hope you had a great end of the year, and I hope everything that you're putting forward for everyone out there listening for this year, I hope it comes through, New Year's resolutions, work on them. If you're going to be out on the water, please wear your PFDs. Have a great day, everyone, and peace out. Let me do A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.